name is Michaela White. Uh, I come from the Chicago land, which is affectionately, affectionately known as the Windy City, but I sincerely feel like Cincinnati is giving us a run for our money today on that title. Um, but just so thankful to get to be with you all. Um, I'm here with my husband, uh, Stephen, and our two sons. Uh, I get to serve as the executive director for the International Network of Children's Ministry, a ministry that's been around for 40 years to connect children's pastors and children's ministry leaders all around the world to what they need to champion the discipleship of children. So it is an incredible honor to get to be here today uh, for Jennifer Cronk's ordination service. Uh, I am so grateful for her leadership. I know you are too. Um, so we're going to dig into God's word today. I'm going to get right to the point because there's a lot of things we need to get to in this service. So would you join me in prayer uh, before we open the word of the Lord together? Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that your spirit is here. Thank you that as the wind blows around us, we're reminded of the powerful presence of God. Father, I ask that your spirit would fall, that you would fill my mouth and my mind uh, with the words that you would have for this body of believers that desires to glorify you and honor you with their lives. Lord, I pray for the flourishing of this house. I pray for your blessing to fall on this house. And I pray that as we open your word, Lord, that our hands and our hearts and our ears would be open to what you would have to say to us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, would you open your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Deuteronomy 6? Um, in the same spirit as the Apostle Peter, he said in Second uh, Peter, it's good for me to remind you about what you already know. And if there is one thing I know about College Hill is that I have something to thank you for. Uh, I was uh, on the phone last week with a mentor of mine who has had great influence in my spiritual life and in my discipleship journey. And she said, "Hey, wh- where are you headed this week?" And I said, "I'm going to College Hill. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to share in Jennifer's ordination service." And she said, "Michaela," she goes. When I was a little girl, my parents would drive us 40 minutes across town to College Hill because their children's ministry was something else. And College Hill's children's ministry had such a significant influence on the spiritual formation of my mentor that I have gotten to reap the seeds that you have sown into my mentor because of the ways that she has sown into me. And that's the beauty of investing in the discipleship of children. You have no, uh, it, it, the Bible says that he does above and beyond what we could ask or imagine. He always does above or beyond what we could ask or imagine when we invest in the discipleship of children. So I thank you, College Hill, for the ways that you have invested in children in your community for years and the ways that those children have gone on to invest in others and specifically this woman in my life. So I'm incredibly grateful. And I'm just here to remind you about what you already know because you guys excel at this. But we're going to open Deuteronomy 6. So if you would go to, uh, let's see, verse 4 with me. I'm going to read the word of the Lord for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I'm going to go to verse 20. So if you turn over to verse 20 with me. In the future, when your son asks you, what's the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So in order to really grasp the weight of what is is being said here in Deuteronomy 6, we need to understand what's happened up to this point. Now, when sin entered the world, God made a promise. He made a promise that redemption would come. He chose Abraham. He made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham uh, had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt during a famine. They eventually were enslaved by Pharaoh, and they were slaves in Egypt for 430 years. But then God raised up a man named Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt and take them into the land that he had promised them. Why? Why? Because through Abraham and his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. This was the plan to have a nation that represented the kingdom of God here on this earth to be a light to the nation so that the Messiah would come and all peoples would come to know and love and serve the Lord. And so it was critical as this nation was brought out of slavery and being delivered into the promised land that they understood what it looked like to represent the Lord and his kingdom in this world. And so God had given Moses, God had given Moses the law. God had given Moses his word to teach the people and show the people what it looked like for them to live as his representatives on this earth. By the time we get to Deuteronomy, we see Moses at the end of his life giving this people the final words. The weight of these messages is the weight of a man who is about to pass on and see his people move into the promised land. These are his final messages. This is the weight that Deuteronomy 6 holds, right? It's, it's that deathbed message. And so when we read it, we need to read it with that weight in mind. These are the final words of a man who talked with God as a man would talk with his friend. So when he says Shema, when he says Hero Israel, Shema Yisrael, what is he saying? That word Shema, Hebrew is a very beautiful, unique language. I'm a Jewish believer. I grew up um, attending a Messianic congregation. The Shema was something that we recited every morning. Um, and one of the things that's unique about the Hebrew language is that it's layered. It's uh, English has a very... Uh, upfront meanings to its words, but Hebrew goes into layers. Shema doesn't just mean hear or listen. There is actually not a real great Hebrew word for the word obey. 
So Shema is the same thing as obey. Listen, hear, obey. Listening and obeying is the same side, uh, or two sides of the same coin in the Hebrew language. So when Moses was saying Shema Yisrael, he was saying, don't just hear these words. Do them. Do not just hear this word from the Lord. Do it. And so when he's saying Shema Yisrael, He's saying, when I tell you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and impress this on your children. He's saying, don't just hear it. People of God, do it. Do it. Why? He unpacks why um, further down in the passage. But I want to highlight something about Shema that we can miss. When you go further on in Scripture and you see the prophets telling Israel the truth about their situation when they've drifted. What's one of the primary condemnations they have heard, but they do not listen. They have heard, but they do not listen. It's a warning for us when we hear the word of the Lord and we, and, and it enters our minds and we fail to do it. We are failing to understand the word of the Lord here for us. Jesus says in Matthew eleven fifteen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to shema, let him shema. So what is Moses getting at? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is, uh, this is something that when we look at Hebrews 11, we know that the heroes of the faith are commended for the right, for they're commended as righteous because of how they lived, how they showed up in the world. That phrase, commended as righteous, is remarkable. If you unpack the language there, it basically means that their lives were evidence that would hold up in a court of law to prove that God is exactly who he says he is. Their lives were commended as righteousness. They didn't just hear the word of the Lord. They did it. They obeyed him. So when we look at Deuteronomy 6 and we unpack the impress this on your children, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Here's the thing. Moses was speaking to a nation. He wasn't just talking to moms or dads. He was speaking to a nation who represented the family of God on this earth. No one was excluded from this mandate. Yes, parents have a primary responsibility to the discipleship of their children, but it is the responsibility of the whole family of God to declare from one generation to the next that our God is everything he says he is. That we aren't just going to listen to his words, we are going to do his words. When we have the opportunity to tell them about his faithfulness, we do it. And it and it isn't this programmed or grandiose gesture. It was simple. It's as you rise, as you go, as you lay down, as you get up. Any opportunity we have to tell the next generation about the faithfulness of the Lord, we're to do it. We're to do it. It is our way of life together as a family of God. You know, when Jesus was asked, you know, what's the greatest commandment? He quoted the Shema. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. But the second commandment is like to, like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no criteria on neighbor. There's no age. 
There's no gender mentioned, no status mentioned, no race mentioned, any, any criteria. Love your neighbor as yourself. Any chance we get, we are to tell them about the faithfulness of our God. Now here's the thing. When I was, uh, when I was a child, I was a part of a, a program at church. We did a lot of games around a circle. And, uh, one of the games that we, was our favorite was the baton pass. And, uh, we got really good at that game. We, we competed against other churches for this game. And our teacher told us something that I think I will never forget about passing on faith to the next generation. This illustration holds true. She said, we are going to win or lose the race, not in your singular run around the circle, but in the pass of the baton from one runner to the next. That is where we will win or lose the race. And she said, one of the most important things is when you are running around the circle and you're handing the baton off to the next runner, you do not let go until you know that that runner has a firm grasp on the baton and is ready to go. Church, some of us are further around the circle. We have a responsibility to one another. And the race and the, and the way that we keep passing faith from one generation to the next is not in our singular race, in our singular turn around the circle. We will win or lose it in how that baton gets passed from one generation to the next. So I ask you, what does it look like for you to hold the baton out, look the next generation in the eye, make sure they have a firm grasp, and let them run? It is all of our responsibility. It is all of our responsibility. Shema Yisrael. We will not only hear the word of the Lord, we will listen to it. We will do it. And I see that true of you at College Hill. One of the things that I uh, asked Jennifer, I said, hey, Jennifer, you know, wh- why why this path? Why did you choose this? She goes, because I believe in it. I believe the word of the Lord. There's nothing greater than to pass on faith from one generation to the next. I'm so honored and grateful that you all have a leader, a pastor here who sees that, who knows that, who believes that. And it's important for us to honor her today, but it's also for important for us to know we have a responsibility to that too, together. And so College Hill, as you run around the circle and you hand that baton off to the next generation, I just want to encourage you. The Lord is faithful to the work. It doesn't have to be in big, grandiose uh, expressions. It doesn't have to be in some significant program or event. It's as simple as looking that child in the eye and telling them that Jesus loves them and has a purpose for their life. And all of us can do that, right? All of us can do that. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for this family. I thank you for the faithfulness that I can testify to here about this body. And Lord, I am thankful for their witness. I'm thankful for their legacy. But God, I also pray blessing that their days ahead of them will be even more fruitful, full of flourishing, full of impact on the next generation. God, we thank you for the ways that you have invited us 
to be a light to this world. So God, I just pray for this church, this family, their light to shine here in Cincinnati. God, I pray for impact in this city. And Lord, I thank you for the next generation that is in this church. God, I pray that they would know that they have a family here that is for them, that loves them, that is with them, and is going to look in the eye and ensure they have a firm grasp and watch them run. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us yourself and for making us a family. It's in your name I pray. Amen.